0: You're by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Hello, welcome to the Word on the Hill with the Lanky guys. My name is Father Peter Mazza, And
1: my name is Scott Powell. Scott
0: Powell, you should have seen uh friends, you should have seen him. He was like wiggling while I was doing the announcement, and I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with you right now, man. <laughs> Just love I it. me. It's all any of us want. <laughs>
1: to all. know and be known.
0: To know and to, to know and be loved. Yeah, that's Because you we cannot want. love what you do not know. But I know you, you know, know. You know what love. I love?
1: What? Oh, well, you, because you just said that. Oh, thanks. No, but I really do. But I also love fall. It's the fall.
0: It's the fall. Fall. <laughs>
1: it's everybody's favorite season is fall. During fall. <laughs> no. Everybody's favorite season during the fall is fall. <laughs> don't you feel like, nobody talks about fall in the spring or the winter or the summer, but everybody talks about it when it's happening. I, have, I don't I, know. I'm not uh, yeah, debating well, people really liking fall, but I feel like they forget about it or don't really care until it's fall. And they're like, oh, it's my favorite. That's a good point. I'm just saying. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. But I actually mean it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I guess that leads us into the fact that we are in the 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time.
1: Can I give a shout out before we move yo, yo. on? Do you have any Ooh. shout outs? No, I don't. Uh, that's you, know, you don't have to. I want to give a shout out to um, a group of folks in Toronto. Ontario, Canada, actually Hamilton, so I'm actually going to be speaking up uh, next week at the Tri-Chaplaincy Pilgrimage, so a bunch of different universities from the the Toronto area are gathering together, a bunch of podcast listeners, fans of us, so shout out to all you guys, I can't wait to see you on the 9th at St. Mary's Pro Cathedral, and do you have any idea what a pro-cathedral is? No. As opposed to like an amateur cathedral?
0: (laughs) cathedral, that's what I was like, you know, the immediate opposite, Um, I mean, it's like... um, I, I know that there's some, like... I it's got to be I an ecclesial
1: no designation of some kind. Right. I have no idea what it is. I'm so yeah. excited to find out.
0: I know that there's, like, pro-to-martyr, but, like...
1: It's not proto-cathedral. <laughs> it's
0: a proto-cathedral. It's a
1: pro-cathedral. I don't I don't know. I'm excited. Anyway, I'm super excited to meet <laughs> you guys. Uh, Rachel D'Souza, the whole gang up there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being supportive.
0: Yeah. Do you know that if you learn anything in that um, cathedral, you know what they call it? A
1: pro... Tip. A pro tip. <laughs> I'm going to give some of those. Yeah, I do. Next week. Hey, here's some pro tips. Here's it's some pro, pro tips for you. For the pro cathedral. Oh, mercy me.
0: All right. Our first reading is from Habakkuk.
1: Habakkuk. Yeah. Habakkuk. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Habakkuk. Chapter 1, 2 to 3. Uh, chapter 2, 2 to 4. Our psalm is coming from Psalm number 95, verses 1 through 2, 6 through 7, 8 through 9. And our response itself is coming from verse 8. Second reading is Second Timothy mm. chapter one six through eight, jumping to thirteen fourteen. All righty, and our gospel is coming from Luke chapter seventeen verses five through ten. Increase our faith, dude. I, I just felt like sounds I felt like, like a like, demand. I, I, increase our increase faith. our faith, Jesus. Lay off, Peter. I don't know if it's Peter.
0: <laughs> I just think it's really funny. I, I I can tell that the now that I'm all sensitive to language and vocabulary. Oh, shit. The way in which we read those readings has its own distinct flavor now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we say them jumping and we... jumping all the way. Or, like, like they're these little which things. Which is a variation
1: which... of an announcer at a, at a monster truck rally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you really parse it out, <laughs> Sunday, 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 jumping all the way to verse twenty-three. Well, that's exactly like what I was going to say. Was, football announcer. I was
0: like, I was like, we sound like radio personalities now.
1: We are radio personalities, Father <laughs> Peter. It's just more cumbersome than radio. <laughs> that's the podcast culture. It's like radio, but harder. <laughs> Oh, Hab- uh, Habakkuk,
0: hey, dude! People have been calling me Magellan all the week. No, by the have way. Yeah, they? Yeah, like, yes, we What's something Magellan. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, everybody's been somebody so- pre-ordered the T-shirt. They did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, and then, yeah. So that's
1: just it's kind of a weird I'm trying to think of an equivalent to call you this week, but I can't. It's, it's got to be organic. I can't, th- I can't think about. it. <laughs>
0: no, you can't manufacture it. It's, no, like, no, it's no. like Famous Amos, man. It's, it's like, just got to like, come they, from your soul. Which are
1: manufactured, in fairness, because <laughs> they're cookies. All right, Habakkuk. Um, you don't get Habakkuk very often. No. Which is kind of fun. I had a friend uh, from the South who always called it Habakkuk. 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 That's more fun than Habakkuk. And it makes me kind of second guess maybe that is the proper way to pronounce it. I just don't know. But, I don't know either. Be that as it may, um, all right. Habakkuk—he's a really interesting character. It's a short book. I think it's only about three chapters long, right? Uh, but Habakkuk, we don't actually know much about him. There's not much background on this guy, except that he's probably a contemporary of Jeremiah. So that's kind of the time period. Yeah. Uh, he's a man of deep faith. He's rooted in the Torah. He is trying to be faithful. He's trying to be righteous, and we we see that from the text, from what he says in the text. So. Um, where do we kind of situate? salvation Backdrop, right, context. Based on what he says, he talks about the Babylonian threat. So the book is a lot about this threat of the Babylonian armies and all their power and the danger that they're posing, right? So a lot of scholars think that Habakkuk lived in Judah, so right, the southern kingdom, around the time, probably around the end of the reign of King Josiah and through the reign of uh, King Jehoiakim. 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 Speaking of, what's up, Jehoiakim? <laughs> no, I know what He's a bad king. Um, do you remember Josiah, though? Josiah is, significant.
0: is a bad king. <laughs> is that a quote from something? No, it just rhymes.
1: It did. Not really, but. Jehoiakim is a bad king. king. Isn't there a word for things that almost rhyme, but not quite? It's, inter- t- it's like an internal rhyme, but it's. But there's a term for that.
0: Yeah. It's called, it it's called poetry. Oh, no. slam. <laughs> That's <right>. slam poetry. <laughs> oh, yes. <See>? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Josiah, if you remember, he was one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. He okay. gets overshadowed by David because David does a lot. Because he's better than him. Because David. But Josiah did... He was the one that staged all of these huge reforms. He was the one that reportedly found the book of Deuteronomy like hidden in the temple after it was kind of beat up by the Assyrians and read it and was like, uh-oh, like, <laughs> we haven't been following any of this stuff. So he stages these massive reforms in Jerusalem uh, throughout Judea and tries to bring the people back to faithfulness, back to the Torah. But he has a son named Jehoiakim who becomes the king afterwards who is horrible and he he brings back corruption, he brings back idolatry and just just really does all this stuff. So um, because of that. So if that's kind of where Habakkuk is, kind of like Jeremiah, he probably lived to see the fulfillment of his prophecy, which was that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. So he probably lives to see it. So he's again, he's probably somewhere around Jeremiah. Um, but here's the thing about H- Habakkuk. His content is totally unique among the prophets. So we still call him a prophet and he falls within the the tradition of the 12, but he contains no oracle. There's no like oracle to Judah or Israel or to any other nation for that matter. The whole book is a dialogue. Basically it's a and a it's question and answer. Between this faithful Israelite who's living in the midst of a sinful and corrupted society, who's waiting for the fulfillment of God's prophecies, and the response of God to his questioning. And his question that sort of underlies the whole book is, how long are you going to let evil go on unpunished? How long is evil just going to reign? How long until you step in and set things right, Lord? Because the world is a disaster. Our people are a disaster. Things are a mess and are you there? Are you listening? Are you going to let this go unanswered? Right. And um, it's actually, it kind of takes the form of like moses's dialogue with god remember where he goes back and forth with god about the righteousness of israel it's kind of like jeremiah does the same thing almost like abraham with the sodom and gomorrah that's the the genre it sort of fills right the back and forth dialogue um, between this person and God, and God trying to bring the questioning person to a new understanding of what of what God's doing. Mm. Um, but I want you to feel the weight of this for a second, because what he actually gets... Well, let, let's read the beginning part, because we, we start right in the it's beginning. It's me, Margaret. It's me, Habakkuk. Who's Margaret?
0: Oh, God. It's me, Margaret. You don't what remember that?
1: that? No, I don't remember it.
0: Dude, how do you not? I mean, come oh, my. on. Don't, don't shame didn't me. You,
1: didn't you get your personal pan pizzas? How long until pizzas? you stop shaming me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? What am I? What? No, okay. for those who didn't know, I get no, my what? Your personal pan pizzas from the um, Domino's? Re- from the reading truck. From a kid when you got We've all your We've talked stars? about
1: this. I wasn't a good reader when I was in elementary school. <laughs> I never got my personal pan pizza. You shame me about this all the time. <laughs> I read now, but I just wasn't good at it.
0: Then. Dude, you're a doctor and I'm not. <sighs> oh, you're smarter God. than me. But
1: you got a bunch of personal pan pizzas. Right. Because, and I did not.
0: Because I got the stars, baby. So now we're even. <laughs> but my dad named the personal pan pizza, in case you're wondering. He named it? He named it. My dad was in advertising.
1: What did he name it? The personal pan pizza. I know, I'm, I'm <laughs> Gerald. <laughs> that's my uncle's name. No, yeah, it is. Wow, that was a, right.
0: that was very prophetic, Mr.
1: Habakkuk. I don't know if it's prophetic, but yeah, it, no, totally. You speak, um,
0: the, you speak the truth. I speak
1: the truth. So, All right, so. so <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to read this first part that we're okay. actually gonna get in the reading. So he begins, this is this is starts with Habakkuk's question. How long, O Lord? I cry for help, but you don't listen, or you don't seem to listen. I cry out to you violence, but you don't intervene. Um, right. Why aren't you doing it? It's this 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 uh this perennial question, right? I mean, why does God allow evil to go unpunished?
0: I'll tell you what, I mean, this is the question. I'll tell you over and over and over when you do pastoral work. This is the question. Where were you, God?
1: Yeah. I cried out. Right. And, and you, you didn't, didn't answer. answer me. Right. Um He says, uh, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence, they're always before me. There's strife and conflict. It abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails because people are taking advantage of the law. They're they're they're. Um, they're br- We know that in this time people were big, landowners were big on bribing the courts to get things to go in their favor. The law has broken down. Justice has broken down. Corruption is everywhere. And then the Lord answers in verse 5. He says, all right, well, look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed because I'm doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Mm. So God's like, oh, how long? Okay, you're seeing all these things. You know the answer, you would never believe me if I told you unless you're actually going to see it with your own eyes. But here's what's going on. He says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the earth. They seize dwelling places that aren't their own. They're feared and dreaded. They're a law unto themselves. He goes on describing this stuff. Basically, he says, What's happening? God is assuming, er, God is assuring Habakkuk that he does understand. I do hear your cries. I do see what's going on. I'm well aware of Judah's situation. But the way that I'm going to deal with that situation is going to be shocking for you. Or maybe it shouldn't be um, because we already have the answer to this question. God is going to show Israel that they are no better than the wicked Babylonians in a sense. And that's what he's going to try to demonstrate, just as God sought to use Israel as his instrument to the nations, right? That's the whole purpose of their being in Israel in the Old Testament, so that they could be the light to the world, the instrument that God uses to go out and bring the nations back. But instead, according to Habakkuk, the, the people of Israel became violent. And essentially, and that's the, the key phrase that, you know, other other prophets talk about their idolatry or their corruption or their greed. Habakkuk highlights the violence, And basically what God said is, you want violence? You'll get violence. If this is what you so long for, if this is what you refuse to listen to me, you refuse to follow my instructions, and so you seek after these violent, terrible ways, so if that's what you want, that that's what you're going to get. And so if your job was to go out to the nations, like Babylon, Babylon's role is now going to be to come to the nations and take them and bring the violence. There's this sort of ironic reversal, right? Which be- may leads me to this question, because you can read this and be like, man, that's really cruel. God, wh- why are you doing that? Why have you just changed your your, um, your plan here? Which he hasn't. But if you take a step back, and if you think that the whole job of the vocation of Israel was to go out and be a light to the nations, they refused to do that. And instead, they became like the nations, and in certain senses, even worse than the nations. And as a result, I mean, If you put the kind of stock into Israel that I think the Bible is wanting you to, then they're the older brother whose job it is to teach their younger siblings. And if the older brother doesn't just not teach their siblings, but actually teaches evil, teaches violence, then the younger brother's going to be violent because they're going to want to be like their elder brother. Right. And so it raises the sort of ethical question, would Babylon be what it is in this time had Israel actually done her job? Or is she sort of reaping what she sowed with the idolatry and the violence and the disobedience to God? If she really is as influential as the Bible claims that Israel is, what if she'd have done her job? But because she didn't, as a result we have a nation like Babylon, who was never taught the ways of God, who actually learned violence, and who there are now gonna reap the the not the benefits, but they're gonna reap what they've sown in a certain sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. I That's mean, the
0: answer God gives. I mean, I look at that and, and I'm like I, I I see our contemporary church. I, I
1: I don't think you can not see it. I, mean, I
0: can't not see it. Right? Like you look at that and you say, "What is your job?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and you say, "If if you don't do it, then it's going to be pierced." It's. It, I mean, it, I I look and I've been in university ministry for my priesthood, and one of the things that we've been talking about forever, and so many of us have, is the mm-hmm. the the Catholic bubble. Yeah, we talk about the, the the bubble and how you're like you've yeah. got to leave the bubble and you've got to go out and you've actually got to be a light to the nations. Yes. You've got to go out and and bring bring the the
1: one key that can unlock understanding to the people, which begins with loving the nations, right? Which you can't do it without actually entering into that real relationship,
0: right? So much yeah. so that we we built a coffee house so that. We could actually have the nations come to us. So if you can't break yeah. out of the Boulder bubble, j ju- i mean, the, the Catholic bubble—you just gotta come. And you, where where we hang out, mm. I'm gonna invite everybody. But uh, this is this is actually what I, I look, and this line is so. By the way, you can me.
1: fully love without agreeing, right? And without conceding things, I don't think our culture understands that. Right, you can that have, we can love each other and disagree fundamentally.
0: Yes, and you can have affection and disagree. Absolutely, affection right. and love, and but absolutely, and, and you hear it and you go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But right. I love this line. The rash one has no integrity, but the just one, mm-hmm. because of his faith, shall live. The, I mean, talk about this, this, this inversion. How rash do we get? We get consumed by our immediate passions, yes. and because of our immediate passions, we actually stop living in integrity. Yes. What is an integrity? Like integrity is when you believe and hold something up to be right and true. And then you actually act in accord with it. That's mm. why I say, that's why we're talking about, I love people. Mm. I actually, my job is to love. Yeah. And if I'm being rash, somebody can really make me mad. Sometimes the dudes across from the Catholic center because of their music make me mad yeah. because it's, it's loud and it's annoying and it's aggressive. Mm. And, and then I can start to think they are my enemy. I can right. go into my heart and I'd be like, right. "Oh, can't believe they're doing that." Rather than going like, "No, man, that's I I wish I wish those brothers didn't have to live like that."
1: Right, because right.
0: the, their beer dice, man. I don't <laughs> now that it's colder. They don't play as much beer dice. Isn't it beer pong? Beer dice is a whole new thing. <laughs> it's it's next level, dude. I'm so behind. You're, you're behind on the times.
1: But that but that's the thing. I mean, that's it's important that you said that because basically what, what Habakkuk's response is, well, wait a second, even in our sinfulness, surely we're better than Babylon. Like, I know we're sinful. I know we've fallen. But we've got to be better than those guys. And that that is the temptation, right? Well, surely. I mean, I know I got my problems. But at least I'm not like those guys across the street, right? Surely I'm not like them. Well, now, what God is saying to the Israelites is, Nah, you are no, and you're so blind to it. But the just one, because of faith, yes, gets to live. And this it, is the juxtaposition that God gives. And,
0: and faith is, at, at its core, is patience. It's, it's like Saint um, Faustina. You, she, you get as much grace as you're willing to trust.
1: You get as much grace as you're willing to trust. Okay.
0: So if you're willing to trust God uh, from the core yeah. all the way down to the soles of your feet, you're gonna uh, get grace on that level. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, and, and so it says, because of your faith shall live. I mean, how many times is Jesus saying that? Because of your faith, you will live. Uh, because of your faith, you are healed. I mean, I'm not asking oh, for a quantifiable number. Well,
1: I, the reason I hesitate is because Paul actually does capitalize on that verse many times. It becomes one of the calling cards of the Reformation. The, this is what Luther turned to, and he said, the righteous by faith will live. And it he 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 twisted, I think, the faith versus works discussion. He made this something it wasn't. You said but, Paul, not Luther Luther. Luther quotes Paul. Paul uses oh, it a number it, of it, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Luther kind of co-opted it to be one of the calling cards of the Reformation about just believing. But that's not that's to take it out of context, because what, what basically what Habakkuk is saying, or what God's saying to Habakkuk is in chapter 2, which we also get this week, God points to the future and basically says, look, this situation won't endure forever. This is not going to last. Essentially, the power given by God to Babylon, to Babylon will go to their head, and they're going to fall too yeah. because that will corrupt. But the righteous, the righteous will live, and they'll live by faith. Um, again, this volatile verse that St. Paul uses all over. But the point is the righteous person is everything that both the Babylonians and wicked Israel are not. It is the opposite of that. thats He's not puffed up. It's not the inflated ego. There's no reliance on oneself or personal resources or my plans to sustain my life. And so the righteous person, the, 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 what God is showing to Habakkuk is that the righteous person is supposed to be so totally reliant on God that he has to say, okay, God, so you're telling me the Babylonians are going to be your instrument? Okay, thy will be done. You telling me that those guys across the street with their obnoxious music have something to teach me about holiness? Okay, your will be done. Mm. That's what it's saying. And for those who have the the guts to actually receive that, that's what's going to change everything because for, that situation for the, won't last forever. For, for the guts
0: of, for those people who have the guts to hear that harden not your hearts. Harden I-
1: exactly right. Like, Which is the, the, the like, Psalm is what you're saying. That's what you're quoting, by the way. For those of you who didn't read ahead,
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. No, but that's huge. That's This is one of the clearest connections between First Reading and, and Psalm, right? That I've seen. If today you hear His voice, what is this heart? What is His voice saying? His voice is saying, "I'm giving my authority to your enemies, and they're going to reign. And if you actually have the grace to accept it, then you will be holier because of it." Okay. Your will be done. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And this is, that's a great verse to kind of take in isolation from anything. Oh, if I hear the voice of the Lord, don't be hard to it. Oh, yay. Well, what if the Lord says something you don't want to hear? Well, that's a lot harder to not harden my hearts, right? This isn't a nice little hymn on Sunday. This is a powerful message that actually should strike our hearts if you read it especially in context of what Habakkuk is hearing right and then the response is come sing joyfully to the lord let us acclaim the rock of our salvation let's come into his presence for with thanksgiving and joyful joyfully sing psalms to him hey your enemies are going to lord over you for a little while but you're going to be holier because of it well let's sing thanksgiving psalms for that which is where we uh, in the end of the last verse if you hear his voice don't
0: harden your hearts at meribah in the day of mass in the yes. desert where your fathers tempted me they yes. tested me Though Even they though had they had seen, seen my works. works, and this is the thing that I, I think that is is really is really wild in this age is that we've actually seen profound sanctity right. within the church, right. beautiful, powerful things, mm. but mm. Right we've also now, seen a lot
1: of corruption and evil.
0: Right, and like testing the Lord is a different. I, dude, I've gotten into that spirit before as a priest. It's, yeah, where I'm like, Lord, are you gonna like? Are you gonna show up the way you want you to show up? And he he's not he's not impressed with that. I I have never had a, yeah. like like I've never had the Lord yeah. just be like oh yeah sorry like, Peter sorry Peter I was wrong yeah he doesn't say that it, it whereas the the moment of faith of faith and patience mm. of saying I know that you're gonna write this story why is every single story in the world all about conflict every story every news story every short story every novel. Every movie, every television show is at its core about conflict. Every podcast. Every podcast. That's why I have to make fun of Scott. <laughs> so <laughs> that you guys will keep listening. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But but this thing is absolutely everything is conflict. Yeah. And and what do we need to do is we need to get to the end of the story. We I mean, the, 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 it, we're we're made and we're written for this ability yeah. to get through the story so that when we hear and we say, "Oh, okay." I need to have patience enough to see how this is going to actually
1: come out right. Because I've read this one before. Like, I I know how this one ends. Because I've seen the plans of God throughout the course of salvation history play themselves out. Right. And so now I'm dealing with this very specific trial or whatever it is in my life right now. But gosh, it sounds an awful lot like whatever God did in salvation history before. Right. And I knew he was faithful that time. And if he's been faithful in 10 million times prior to this, maybe I can trust that he'll be faithful now Mm. because the same story with that conflict, I mean, all of human life is some recapitulation of the same story, right? We fall into sin. We get confused about who we are and God comes and saves us. And then we get big headed again and then we fall away from that. And then God comes and saves us Mm. and it goes on and on and on. And sometimes the way God saves us is painful look at the cross look, look at, at babylon look at look at my uh dental cleaning this morning your dental cleaning sometimes it hurts because you never floss i bet <laughs> i know I floss No, you like actually do yeah, yeah. i actually th- actually the, the, the weird part you is floss during is, the podcast sometimes and it's gross
0: i actually like flossing around people which is <laughs> no. the weirdest part <laughs> i love i love brushing my teeth <laughs> and weird. flossing around others i don't like doing it alone that's weird it's because i have well, a younger brother that's
1: true you have an older brother
0: I have an older brother and and don't an have older young, You don't have a younger brother. I
1: am a younger brother. Oh, because you, I thought you said because I have a younger no, brother. No, because I am a younger you brother. You are a younger
0: brother. Because I want to be with my siblings and at the end of the day. So you're like Babylon.
1: They can do whatever they want to because Israel kept flossing in front of them. <laughs> is that what? I, is that the theological point you're yeah, trying to make? Yeah, That's yeah, how I'm yeah, going to yeah, take this. Yeah, okay. Right, let's go second to second Second Timothy, reading. though, is, this is, uh, again, uh, another bearing out of the same point. So we've actually, it's funny, we've been in First Timothy for a while now. And first, so 1 first Timothy, 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus, they're all what's called the pastoral epistles. And we've talked about those a little bit, right? It's letters that Paul writes to Timothy and a guy named Titus, who are both new bishops in these dioceses where they're called to lead their people. And, and uh, Paul is giving them instructions on how to do that. Right. 1 Timothy and Titus are very similar to each other as letters. They're probably both intended to be read to the congregation to kind of give credence to the leadership of these two. But 2 Timothy is different. Second Timothy is much more personal. Mm. It's much more intimate. It is a letter that we believe is probably one of the last that Paul ever wrote. And he's writing it, knowing his death is coming soon, to the guy who's probably one of his best friends, Timothy, Mm. kind of pouring his heart. Not just, okay, here's instructions on how to be a leader. But now, in a very personal way, here's my heart on how to be a leader. To my best friend, Timothy, right. who I know I'm going to leave soon. I might never see again. So he pours himself out in this letter in a really unique way. And what he says in this part that we get this week, he says, beloved, and that's individual, Timothy, you are my beloved. And they're actually buried next to each other. Did you know that? I did not the, know that. The good sense of the church actually brought Timothy back to Rome and they bar- they're buried right next to each other. Which is beautiful. Yeah. But he says, I remind you, don't forget, stir into flame the gift of God that you have through my imposition, the imposition of my hands. When you were ordained, in other words, don't forget the gift that you were given. For God didn't give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and of love and of self-control or self-discipline, some translations say. So don't be ashamed of your testimony to the Lord, nor of me, who actually happens to be a prisoner for his sake. But bear your share of the hardship of the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Bear your share of the hardship um, for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. That's a nice, pleasant little thing to read. Oh, you know, bearing our share of the hardship of the, the gospel hard, and I'm going to bear my share of the hardship. But then if you put it, the church is asking us to put that bearing of hardship, that courage, self-control, discipline in light of the first reading. Well, what if God actually, God's will is so counterintuitive to everything you think about the world? What do you do then? Bear your share of the cross for the sake of the gospel, especially, Timothy, as a leader. Your job is to look at, to have the wisdom and the discernment to look at the world and say, what is God doing? Thy will be done. I will follow you, Lord. I will serve, and I will lead my people into that service, mm. even if it seems crazy. Even if what you're doing in the world and the things that you seem to be allowing seem totally opposed to everything I know about the world, maybe you're doing it for my holiness. Maybe you're doing it for my good, so thy will be done. Because the righteous will live by faith. The righteous do not live by their own standards. The righteous do not live by their own puffed up views and concepts of what it means to be holy. The righteous live by faith. That's what Habakkuk wants ringing in your ears as you go into every other trial that the church will ever face. Yeah, the righteous ones are the ones who say, thy will be done. I will bear this for you. I will bear, what does he say? I will bear my share of the hardship for the gospel. I don't know. It takes on a whole new light in light of Habakkuk to me.
0: It does. I, I am I am continually laid out by how the saints respond to their sufferings like like it's it's the it's the ultimate response of of St. Francis's um, St. Francis's uh, ultimate desire. My desire for Lady Poverty is that I walk up to one of my own monasteries and walk up and they say, get out of here, you stupid beggar. You have no yeah. place here. And 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 I look at that because because it's because at its core, Franny takes it a little far. Well, right. But, but it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a hyperbolic it's expression yeah. because he what he's saying is I understand that Jesus's salvation yeah. wrought in his sufferings yeah. actually right. has this accomplishment that if I respond in faith to the sufferings mm. that are even extreme, right. that it actually does something real, and right. and that, that that integrity of faith. And that share in the cross and the, the hardship for the sake of the gospel actually does something. It's, it's, it's actually important because that's the whole problem with us is that we don't think it's important. And we just get all like, oh, this is hard. I turn into freaking Eeyore.
1: <laughs> oh, Eeyore. Right. He's my spirit animal. But you, you you said it does something. But it's not just something. I mean, Habakkuk, again, gives us what the something is. What does it do? It makes us righteous. The righteous live by faith. So if we submit ourselves to those humiliations, that humbleness, we become righteous. And what does righteous mean? It means to be like God. And it gives you a soft heart.
0: Yes. Because a yeah. hard heart, a yeah, hard yeah, heart that's is, the is, Psalm, right? is yeah. somebody who's not willing to receive another. And man, you can feel it. And as a priest, dude, there's these mm-hmm. times where... Yeah, Like, uh, you get some of the same things over and over and over and over and over and over and, I'm over, sure. over, and over again. Yeah. And you go and, like, there's a certain point in which you get exhausted by the things of the, of the
1: world yeah. and the sins or the attitudes. and and Which you, is where Habakkuk is. I mean, you're speaking Habakkuk's language. Right. He and, is exhausted by the sins of the world. And you go. How I'm, long?
0: Oh, my goodness. Right. And I'm exhausted by it versus yeah. saying, like. No, if I'm actually willing to bear my my hardship, that's why like kind, generous, compassionate old priests, hmm. um, kind, compassionate pe- people who have been living the faith, rather than becoming bitter, they become actually like even softer, softer. and kinder and more generous as they as they sh- bear their share of the gospel. But the
1: we, I'm sure we both know people that have gone both ways with that? Yeah. What's the, what's the saying of origin though? Remember the same sun that melts the wax also hardens the clay. So if you heard that he was, he was no, talking I, about, I like that. he was talking about Pharaoh, that the, the, this weird concept in the old Testament where Pharaoh will at different times, his heart will be softened toward what God is doing. Remember the plagues and everything. And at other times his heart will be hardened. Sometimes it says Pharaoh hardens his heart. Sometimes it says God hardens his heart. But the reality is based on what God is doing, The same human heart, based on how it's disposed, based on how it's been formed, can look at what God is doing in the world and become either softened. The same sun has different effects on the thing that it is touching. So the same sun that can melt snow or wax can also, if it's something like clay, actually make it much harder and brittle. So based on the disposition of our hearts, the same work that God does in the world can either soften us or harden us. Mm. And how we respond to it, how that sun hits us is dependent on how we are disposed. Which I think is... But we've seen people who have gotten older and have seen and have asked this question, how long, why is there so much, and have gotten bitter and hardened. And we've seen those... Elderly priests like you're talking about that have had the exact opposite response. Elderly
0: couples. Elderly elderly anything. Did you know one of the names of my bands when I was uh, in, uh, in college?
1: Elderly couples.
0: Voices of the Elderly. that's (laughs) No, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it was a metal band. Somebody's going to steal it because you said it on the podcast. <laughs> hey, hey! if you guys want to rekindle the, the band <laughs> Voices of the Elderly, please. You have, by all means, my permission. I hope it's At like a metal a start...
1: band that is elderly people.
0: <laughs> oh. Dude, that would be hardcore. It'd be
1: awesome. I once heard about a, a hockey team full of older people that was called the Jerry Hat Tricks. Oh. <laughs>
0: Oh, Which is awesome.
1: That's amazing. That's one of the best names I've ever heard. Of. I, okay,
0: I was actually d- d- just as an aside before we jump into it's the gospel. Because it's all an aside. It's all an aside. <laughs> <laughs> is that? Uh, do you know that metal was taken over by Christian bands? Taken over? Literally that's a bit. No, I mean generous. there were there are there were more metal bands that are Christian. No, than, than anything else. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, I don't yeah, know what to think yeah, about that. I, there's this like weird punk rock channel that this guy goes through all these histories of <laughs> of different bands in, in through through time and, and genres and stuff. And he's and he made that claim. He's like, Man, he said you have no idea how many how much Christian metal there is.
1: I genuinely don't because they don't play it on K Love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They as do it on, far as I know. They do it on that weird like secondary broadcast TV. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> dude, if you guys ever want an interesting experience, just Turn off the cable, get your antenna out, and turn on broadcast TV, because it's
1: real weird. And oh. it's mostly
0: Christian and Spanish.
1: That's true. Those are both true statements. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Hold Luke on. Luke 17. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Check this out. Okay. Okay. Luke 17. Look, the apostles responded to the Lord. I added that for emphasis. Increase our faith. This comes right after the section of he says, I want you to forgive your brother seven times 70 times. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes.
1: And but there's more con I, I actually I'm, there's I'm even frustrated. more context but 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 find that but find that <laughs> I, I find myself frustrated i mean I, I trust and I love the church but I do find myself frustrated by the just literally being dropped into the middle of this conversation without any of the context of it's it, like it paratroopering it's kind of paratroopering um but what so the last what three weeks? We've been seeing this series of these three parables that Jesus gives, right? Which, of, dude, that made some good homiletic material. You know, day, well brother. done. Thank uh, you. Yeah, uh, mass. Um, yeah, so we had the prodigal son.
0: I gave uh, I gave Scott a shout out in my homiletic. I did. I was very I was, touched. I was like, I was talking to Scott the other
1: day. My kids were super pumped. Were they? Yeah, but like in an eye rolly kind of way, too. <laughs> <laughs> like Father Peter talking you, me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were someplace. Um, traveling somewhere and we were at some parish and there were some people who recognized me from, from something or another and like I can just see how annoyed my kids get and we got in the car and I was like sorry guys sorry for the delay like those people wanted to talk and Samuel was like, well, you are the Dr. Scott Powell. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> man. That like it when your You're son. son lays you out like that, dude. Totally. Totally laid me out. Anyway. Um, okay. So we had the the prodigal son, right? A son who squandered his father father's wealth. We had the uh, dishonest steward, a steward who squanders his master's wealth. We had the rich man in Lazarus, a rich man who squanders his own wealth, who is the only one who actually receives punishment in any of those stories which I find interesting. Mm. The only one who is punished is the one who actually squanders his own stuff, his own gift, giftedness, mm. whatever you want to say. Yeah. But it's following right on that, this rich man, unrepentant, who even in the afterlife is trying to make this poor man serve him. I mean, it's a, it's a, pretty, it's a really powerful story. Right. And then immediately after, I have to show you this. Show it to me. Chapter division, all of sacred scripture is inspired by God. Chapter divisions are not. Right. Some poor monk had to put the chapter divisions in later on and do his best, which is fine. But right after the story of the rich man and Lazarus, look at the heading that the Ignatius Study Bible gives this section
0: Some sayings of Jesus.
1: And here's some sayings. You're like. We don't know what else to yeah, do like, with we it. <laughs> don't know but it makes that. it sound so trite. Like, oh, and here's some sayings. Here's some sayings. No, it's meant to be read together, right? We just read the story of this rich man who squanders his wealth, who refuses to see the reverence of the other person, to see what God is doing in the world, who's blinded himself, who squanders what he's been given. And then immediately after that, it says, and then Jesus says to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. What are they thinking about? The rich man. Right. And all of his wealth and his riches and his utter refusal to see the world as God wanted him to see it. Mm. His utter refusal to, um, what's, what's the, he was righteous will live by faith. He's not living by faith. He will not see the hard things that God wants to show him. Even in the afterlife, mm. he won't see Lazarus. Right, And Jesus says, temptations come, right? This guy just demonstrated that. But woe to him to whom they come. It would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and cast into the sea, then he should cause one of these little ones to sin. They're thinking about Lazarus and the rich man. They have to be. He is the man who caused the little ones to sin. Who knows how many people that this rich man caused to ignore Lazarus and not care about. I mean, I I don't know. I'm speculating here. But to take it in isolation, I think, is to do it in injustice. Um, Woe to take heed to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times, I say, and says, I repent, you must forgive him. Seven, of course. Simply represents totality. So, in other words, by saying, he's not, it's not quantifiable. He's saying, as many times as someone sins against you, as many times as they say sorry, you have to forgive. No matter how many times, even if it's kind of like you said, you were said in a different context, you hear the same things over and over. I'm sure in confession, right? You hear the same sins over and over and over and over again. I know you can't say it, but people confess i know i confess the same thing we, we all do but this is reminding us that god says yeah again yeah i'm forgiving you again yeah again yeah this time too into infinity and the people are thinking and, about and, this very and specific- beyond and beyond <laughs> but the apostles are hearing this very specific context right. and they're like that's a lot of times to forgive someone that's a lot of times to say i'm sorry holy cow and their response to jesus saying that is you got to increase our faith Right. That's where we're thrown in. Which goes, the judgment because of his faith shall live, which but, is saying we we want life. But it sounds like isolation. Just reading it the way that we have it, it's just like, oh, I have an idea. Can I have some more faith? Just like it, they just thought of it out of nowhere. Rather right. than having just been challenged with a really profound thing. Right. Like you have to see the way that God is working. Right. And soften your hearts both to one another and to your own sinfulness into infinity. That's how much I need you to forgive and to follow God's will in your life. Right. And they're like, "Well, we're going to need some more then, <laughs> right?" Right. Exactly. Which is the only proper response to recognize. Yeah, we're impoverished. We don't have enough. Okay. So, so here's a, uh here's
0: the strange thing. Okay. okay. Transforming an abstract concept of faith mm-hmm. into something concrete, which is God's God's ability. It says, if yes. you have the size of the mustard, seed, you have faith, size of a mustard seed say to the mulberry tree which is which is really interesting do you do you know that it's um in, in the um in the greek it's actually uh syca- it's like A sycamore
1: sycamore makes more sense yeah. but i didn't know that i didn't i hadn't looked
0: yeah so it's 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 the it's the greek for sycamore which i don't know why he said why mulberry did he say tree mulberry? i i think it's saint thomas more didn't saint thomas more have the mulberry tree i don't know yeah so um the up be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you mm. which dude i've tried to plant a tree in the sea <laughs> <laughs> feels wrong-headed. It's a mangrove tree. <laughs> be uprooted and be planted in the sea. It's mangrove. called seaweed. It's called seaweed. <laughs> no, I, I think it's just it's just an interesting, crazy thing. Is you, is why would you actually turn an abstract concept, conceptual moment of trust? Into a physical item that then you can actually command physical items. I literally, it's it's it feels it feels a little funny to me. I don't have an answer for it. Um, I, I I know it's poetic. It's trying to say if you have a little bit of faith, the amount of things that you could do. It's like what I was saying before. It's like, I don't think that's what it's saying. It's like it's like the amount of grace you get is directly proportionate
1: to the trust that you have. I don't think that's what he's saying.
0: The amount of grace and faith.
1: I actually think he's saying the opposite. I could be wrong. This is my pessimistic nature coming out. What? I think he's saying you don't even have that much. I think it's actually I mean, part of it. and Yes, it's well, polite, yeah, of course, it's of course,
0: of course. It's saying it's saying like if you have any tiny little bit of faith, you can do great things. And but you, you don't, don't even have, have that,
1: it. right? Um, which the the reason that's actually better than it sounds is not just Jesus slamming them. He's saying, I think what he's trying to demonstrate, I think, I think, is to get them to recognize their utter and total poverty. In other words, you guys, you are the poor man outside of Lazarus's house. You have nothing. And now you're actually beginning to realize that because you're saying we need some of that because we don't even have a mustard size seed level of faith because we can't do this. So you're going to have to help us even to have faith. Which I think is their first step of like, okay, I don't know. Do, do you know what I'm saying though? Yeah, um, I. But the
0: the most exciting part of the gospel is what we're about to get into. Okay, who among you? And this is I think it's weird, do, do, but I, I think do, there's a. Do you have an insight? On I this? do.
1: I do too. I do. I have one. I do. Just too. one.
0: I've got one big one.
1: Oh, I have a pretty big one too. So,
0: mine, my my <laughs> my faith on this one is bigger than a mustard seed. Mine's little. Okay,
1: and smaller. Um, <laughs> mine's who among like, you... mine's, mine's like more oh like a wheat,
0: like a wheat berry.
1: <laughs> mine's a grain of salt. Okay. Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or plowing the field or tending the sheep in the field, "Come here immediately and take your place at the table"? Would he not rather say to them, "You go prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron. Wait on me while I eat and drink"? Put a, um you may eat and drink when I'm finished, right? He's grateful to the servant because he, w- is he grateful to the servant because he did his job, what he was commanded? So it shall be with you. When you have done all that has been commanded, we'll say, say we are profitable servants. We have done what we are obliged to do. So in other words, no master looks at a servant and is like, oh, come here. Come on, guys. Come and, ju- you worked really hard today. Oh, my slave servant, come and dine with me. You're like, no, you do your job. You, you, you follow the task that's before you. But I think there's a big but in here. Okay. What's your insight? I'm going to hear yours first. Do you know who this servant? Jesus. Absolutely. Because he's describing the Last Supper. Right. He's describing precisely what's about to happen. And he's showing, though, the absurdity of what he's about to do in the eyes of the world, in a worldly sense. He's saying, you'd never see this. Oh, you're going to see it in a a few months.
0: He's But in ordinary
1: terms, you would never see this. And this
0: is how you know who comes in from tending the sheep, He's Jesus is tending the sheep. Yeah, but he's talking about them. No, I, and There's, yeah, there's yeah. two things that happen. Okay, talk to me. He's the one who's come in tending the so sheep. So he's both. And he's he, the servant and the master. Absolutely. Oh. And so what what he does is, oh. take your place at the table. No, what he does is, he. what does he do? He puts on his apron and he washes his, their, their feet at the Last Supper. Yes. He actually puts a towel around him to, to complete the work. Why? Because he's actually confecting the Eucharist yeah, so yeah, yeah. that he can increase their faith. Absolutely. It's a seed that then is ground down into
1: the fullness of life. Absolutely, which is amazing. But he's also showing as master that he is a different kind of master. He said It's but, a question. He but, says, but then
0: his, his will is submitted to the Father. He says, I've absolutely. only, I've only done what the Father has
1: asked me. Which is what Habakkuk is being told just do what the father is asking you. Mm, right. submit yourself to the will even though it seems the reverse of what the world would tell you. right. be powerless. allow yourself to be led. jesus is going to allow himself to be powerless, to mm. be stripped of that power, to fa- I mean that's in the garden of gethsemane, right? He's praying in a certain sense the prayer of habakkuk, be it done unto me according to thy word. right. if there's any way this cup can pass, that'd be awesome. But not my will, but yours be done. Right. Which is the only way to understand Habakkuk. Because, quite frankly, in the scheme of salvation history, the Babylonians coming to take you over is nothing. Because eventually, the cross is going to come. Uh. And it's going to be so far beyond the powerlessness that you feel to the Babylonians. But you're not going to have to submit yourself alone. Because the God of the universe will come and be one of you and be not just master, but servant, like you said. And then he himself will submit to the yoke of slavery and oppression and a foreign pagan government so as to win all back to himself. So make yourself equally yoked. So yoke yourself with him. No, no yoking un- about it. <laughs> <laughs> no yoke, man. No yoke. <laughs> that's the podcast, oh.
0: <laughs> We're not yoking. Oh my. Oh, dude. This, <laughs> sorry. No, that, th- that one put egg on my face. Ah, oh, come on. Okay. That's next level. This, this, is, good. <laughs> this I, is good. I, I, uh, I, I really think that that's beautiful. I've never seen Jesus as. I hadn't either that servant until today. And I was looking and I was like, Oh oh my goodness. He, he actually listens to the father and sets the table and invites us. And, and, but, but then hold on, hold on. Next level. Where, where is actually the rest? What do you mean? The rest isn't at the table. Okay. The rest is, is actually increase our faith because he's saying your destiny is greater than just merely at this table.
1: Yes. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Well, no, no, yes. It's fully and yes. no, but the, it starts at the table. But but the other thing with the table, though, that I just keep coming back to, is that he literally asked the question, what kind of a master would invite his servants to come and be served? And it's not a rhetorical question. He's like, me, this kind of a master, the guy you're looking at, is going to invite you, his servants, to come and dine at table with him. I mean, this this rhetorical story is not a rhetorical story because he's both yes he's the servant as well but he's also the master he's like what kind of a crazy master would invite his servants to come and dine with him like i'm going to do with you very very soon Mm. this kind of master baby it's another level knowing's half the battle bro it is (laughs) all upset (laughs) we'll see you next week guys. Okay, the word on the hill podcast is a production of the aquinas institute for catholic thought here in beautiful boulder colorado You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash AICT, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.